Uh, in this series of messages, we've looked at uh, worry and temptation and anger and bitterness and resentment. Last week was discouragement. And today we're going to talk about greed, when I am greedy. And I think we need to focus there because I think that's, uh, that greed can be seen in the life of our culture so, so evidently. And greed is very powerful and greed is very destructive. Uh, it's one of the chief tools that Satan can use to destroy us. Our attitude, our relationship with Christ, our attitude about the things that we possess or want to possess. So how, how should we respond? How should we look at the things of this world? How do we decide between uh, needs and wants and being greedy and not being greedy? Well, we've had this great insight from the shallow Christian uh, all, the, all the way through by video. And he's got some words to us today about greed. So listen to what he has to say. As long as we live on this earth, we will always have things that we want and things that we need. And it is important that we are able to tell the difference between the two. The things we want are usually things that would be nice to have, but are not necessary, like a fancy car or a dream house. While the things we need are vital to our very existence on this earth. Our needs are basic things that every person on earth should have. Cable TV, fast internet, a text messaging plan for your cell phone, a decent home theater setup with surround sound. Sure. It's not the most impressive list. It doesn't have a lot of expensive luxuries on it, just the bare necessities of life. And believe it or not, those are all we need to survive. So if you see something and you can't tell if you want it or need it, then just ask yourself if your neighbors have one. And if they do, it's a need. <laughs> These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian. Now, I've enjoyed this uh, with a tongue-in-cheek way of uh, expressing these emotions. I just hope that uh, you all aren't thinking, that's true. That's, that's the way life should be. No, I, I don't want you to think that at all because that's just a tongue-in-cheek way of looking at that. But he's pretty much on target. Well, why do we need to focus upon greed? I think because greed is uh, one of the best disguised ways that we are robbed of our relationship with God. We have turned inward in our relationship. We're selfish and we focus on us. If you'll look with me in the scriptures in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 12, beginning in verse 13, we find uh, that Jesus has the perfect opportunity from a life experience to teach us about greed and the parable of the rich fool. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. 
And when we look at this man, we see that he is a successful farmer. And he had an abundance of, of a crop. But there are two things to notice right off. Number one, he doesn't recognize the source of his blessings, and that's God. There's nothing about that whatsoever. It's all self that he did. And the other is that we see that even in the uh, superabundance of his crops and all that he has, he doesn't think about any other means of, of sharing that or dealing with that abundance except to build bigger barns and store it for himself. And he says, then you've got it made. All you've got to do is just sit back and enjoy life and eat, drink, and be merry. And Jesus called him what? Jesus called him a fool. Now, let's look at this whole process about greed and think about some things about it. First of all, the meaning of greed. What are we talking about? What's the definition of it? Well, I think there are three words that run closely together that we need to to look at. The first is avarice, and that's used a lot in King James Version. It's listed as one of the seven original sins, uh, deadly sins. And it talks about meaning uh, that we hoard what we don't need. We hoard what we don't need. To a reality show about that, hoarding, and, and we just see people, it's just amazing the things that people have hoarded in their lifetime in their house. Second word is covetousness, and that simply means that you desire uh, what you don't have but somebody else has. And that is so powerful uh, that it's even one given to us as one of the Ten Commandments, that we shall not covet. Uh, then there's greed. And greed simply means that we're always wanting more. We're never satisfied with what we have, but we have an inordinate desire for more and more and more. And the very heart of all of that is just like the problem with this rich farmer, and that's selfishness. All we're thinking about is ourself and basically deciding what's our needs and our wants. And I think a lot of us have said, well, if the neighbors have it, then it's a need, and I've got to have it. I see self-love then is one of the most perverted ways uh, of looking at life and living life. It's because we're always dealing with that question, how much is enough? And look at what Jesus said in verse 15. It's a great warning. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. So there's the meaning of greed and part of that danger of it, that it's self-centered. Now, The misconceptions of greed. See, greed gives us a permanent case of the wants. And that certainly goes beyond our needs. And they're basically like three great misconceptions of greed when we think about them. First of all is the thought that says, having more things will increase my happiness. And the advertising world today, whether it's uh, the, the, the television media, radio media, or the printed media, media, they do a great job of brainwashing us uh, to make us believe that we can buy happiness, and we've bought into it. Madison Avenue does a, a great job with advertising today. And so we think what they want us to think. The process says, you know, if only I had, and every one of you in here today could probably fill in that blank with something that you've been thinking about that you really would like to have, and it's gotten to the point beyond a, 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 a want to where you think, well, now it's an absolute necessity, it's a need in my life. But probably every one of us could say, you know, if only I had, and you fill in the blank, then I'd be happy, whatever it might be. Let me give you some warnings out of the Old Testament that, that come out of wisdom literature in Ecclesiastes 5. He who loves money shall never have enough. 
The foolishness of thinking that wealth brings happiness. The more you have, the more you spend. And then Ecclesiastes 6 says, It is better to be satisfied with what you have than to be always wanting something else. Listen to those words of Scripture. Ancient, long time ago in Old Testament time, but we see it fleshed out in our society today. Second misconception about greed. Having more things will make me more important. That mindset of ours is when life says, I am what I own. And that's where we confuse our net worth with our self-worth. We desire status symbols in an attempt to keep up with the next door neighbor. We used to call it keeping up with the Joneses. I don't know what we would say today except our neighbors. Remember what Jesus said in verse 15. He said, life does not consist of an abundance of things or possessions. Now, here's what happens. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people that we really don't know, and some of them we don't even like. But that's a misconception that drives us into greed. Having more things will make me more important. Then another misconception is this. Having more things will make me more secure. Now, that has a twist of logic to it sometimes. No, but having more things will make me more secure. See, the real desire there is financial independence known as financial security, and that is important. You know, we shouldn't be foolish that we live our life without preparing for tomorrow and the future. We need to have money in reserve. We need to watch our our debt so that it doesn't exceed a certain amount of our income. And, you know, we need to budget carefully. We need to plan for retirement. And all of those things are very important. But when we live obsessed with greed, then the reality is that the more we have, the more we have to worry about. Go back to Proverbs again in the Old Testament. Chapter 11, verse 28. The, uh, the Good News Version says, Those who depend on their wealth will fall like the leaves of autumn. We're pretty early in, into, uh, in the fall, not even the end of October and, and certainly not even into November. But how many of you have a yard full of leaves already? They, I looked at mine yesterday, and all the front yard and the side yard, they're covered in leaves. They've got to be taken care of. And that, that's what the Scripture says, that those who depend on their wealth, they're going to fall like the leaves of autumn. Those leaves fall every autumn, no matter what you do. And that's, so that's going to ring true. And what happens is we become possessed by our possessions. Listen to what Jesus said. Some very important words about how to look at possessions and things in this world. In Matthew six nineteen through 21. Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, that's helping us shift away from greed to focusing upon the true treasure which is in the kingdom of God. And we make our investments there in the kingdom of God. Then that leads us to think about, thirdly, the mistakes of greed. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. He says, the love of money, and underscore that, circle it, it's not just money, but it's the love of money, he says, is a root of all kinds of evil. 
And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Greed has caused people a whole lot of heartache. A lot of heartache. And you end up piercing yourself through with many pains. I think we probably all know that uh, the great bald eagle is... um, is a sign, a symbol of America, the bird that, that symbolizes America. It's about strength and dignity and beauty. In 1782, it was placed on the United States Great Seal. That's an interesting thing about an eagle. As powerful as they are, as majestic as they are, they really cannot carry, grabbing something in their talons and flying off with it, but about half of their weight. But sometimes the, the, the American eagle, and I think maybe because it's uh, the status symbol of our country, maybe it's a great illustration for us, sometimes those eagles get greedy. And instead of just swooping down and, and, and grabbing in their talons and taking off with it, uh, you know, a, a size animal or a fish out of the water that, you know, is a size less than half their weight and they can carry it okay, sometimes their eyes get bigger than their stomach. And so they grab a fish that's bigger than what they can carry. And instead of being able to swoop down and grab it and take right off and keep on going with it, they get weighted down with it. It weighs more than they can carry. And you know what happens to uh, so many American bald eagles every year? They drown because of their greed. They won't let go of that big fish. Their wings become absorbed with the water. They can't get out of it, and so they drown. And I think a lot of Americans are just like those American bald eagles. Greediness causes our death. And, and, and we make so many mistakes when we are consumed by greed. One, of course, is financial bankruptcy. So many people are underwater in debt today. Some of you might be. You know, we've offered for years uh, uh, financial peace and, and ways to help you get out of that. Some of you who went through that know that it's a very successful way to do that. And you breathe much better. You live better being out of debt. Americans today... I spend $1,300 for every $1,000 that they make. You don't have to be very smart to do the arithmetic on that to see it doesn't take long before you're in deep financial trouble with that. And simply put, our yearnings exceed our earnings. Put $2,000 on a credit card. Pay the minimum monthly amount every year until it's paid off. And it will take you about, depending upon the interest amount, it will take you somewhere between 10 to 20 years and cost you somewhere between 10 to 15, $20,000. That's the danger about that. Greed, you know, it's simple. You want it, put out a card, swipe it, you pay for it, you got it. You have to pay for it later. Not only do we experience financial bankruptcy, but moral bankruptcy. The scripture talks about greed causing all kinds of pains. It causes sinful actions like embezzlement and uh, insider trading, uh, you know, stealing from the mall. All these reports even about gangs running down another person because they like the tennis shoes they had and killing them for a pair of tennis shoes. Did you know that all the the crime that we have in America, that most of the crime committed in America is to possess somebody else's possessions? Whether it's armed robbery, whether it's breaking and entering, or whether it's stealing somebody's shoes from them as they leave them all. And then there's spiritual bankruptcy. See, the more we have, the more we want. We keep grasping, we keep spending, we keep spending our time, our energy, and our resources for money, for toys, for gadgets, and for things. You've probably seen the bumper sticker that says, that says the one who dies with the most toys wins. 
That's wrong. It's a foolish thought. And that's what Jesus said in this story. He said, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who have stored up treasure for themselves but are not rich toward God. You know what underlines the whole problem of greed? It's a lack of trust in God. It's a lack of faith in God that He will provide our needs. You know, my goodness, we, we ought to trust Him for salvation, and some have done that, but yet won't trust Him to meet their needs. Now, He spoke the world into existence. If He's got that kind of power, then He can meet whatever need you have in your life, and He promises to do that. And so, when we don't trust in God, what do we have? The only other option, the only other alternative is that we, we become self-sufficient, and we don't look to God as our source of security. Many years ago, John Steinbeck, the author of the famous novel, The Grapes of Wrath, had some uh, uh, interesting words to say. And this was a long time ago when he wrote this. He said, if I wanted to destroy a nation, I would give it too much. I would have it on its knees, miserable, greedy, and sick. I think I see his words fulfilled in our country today. America has been too blessed. We've been too extravagant with our lifestyle. And we're on our needs, miserable, greedy, and sick. Now, we come to the fourth point. How, how, do, we, how do we heal ourselves from, uh, from this uh, grinch of greed? How, how do we cure the issue of greed in, in our life? Well, let's talk about the medication for greed. See, to loosen that grip on greed is simply to trust in God. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, comparing himself what he offers to what the thief offers, what Satan wants to do. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, Satan uses our, our greed to rob us of God's blessings. And Jesus uses faith to bless us with God's blessings. If we dare to live in faith, and total dependence upon God, then we're God-centered, not self-centered. But when we're greedy, constantly wanting the next best thing that's come out on the market, then we don't live for the glory of God, but we live out of a self-centeredness. And that affects our life in three ways. If we really want to, to find a cure for greed, get rid of that grinch of greed, and be released from that so we can glorify God. Then let me, let me share with you what I think are three things that can take place in our life. First is that we will find happiness in helping others. Instead of finding happiness in accumulating more and more, we'll find happiness in helping others. So there's a great need out there for us to help other people. And, and, the, and the rich farmer who was successful here in our story never had one thought about anybody else. He didn't think about sharing the wealth of the abundance of his crops, did he? He was just going to tear down his barns, build bigger barns, and store everything he had and enjoy life. The last three years, we've had great participation and success with some uh, hunger events. Uh, two years we did um, Stop Hunger Now. This past year we did Feeding Children Everywhere. And every day, about 60,000 people die from hunger. 
And what I'm told today is that there is now more food available per person to where every person could have up to 4.3 pounds of food every day, and yet food rots in grain storage bins and in other places because people are greedy. If they can't get a price for it that they want, they'd rather it just rot rather than sharing it and saving people's lives. But if we can release that grip of greed on our life and get rid of that grinch of greed, then we will find happiness in helping others, not in our possessions. Secondly, we will find our self-worth in knowing God. Listen to what God says about you and what He thinks about you. In Isaiah 43, 4, God says, you are precious in my sight. In Romans 5, 8, the Apostle Paul writes and says, the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. If you ever have a problem with your self-worth or your image, and you don't think that you're loved, and you don't think you're good enough, and you don't think anybody cares about you, look in the mirror and quote this passage, Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Make it personal. While I was a sinner, Christ died for me. That's how much God values you. And when you know how much God values you, that He sent His only Son to the cross to die for you, that's where you find your self-worth. It's not in anything you can buy, nothing that you can store in your house, a barn, or a self-storage unit, but it's found in a relationship with God. And then the third thing that happens when we get rid of this greed in our life, and we trust God, then we find security in trusting God. See, God is our ultimate source of security through His love, His power, and His presence, and He blesses us with the abundance of possessions. Hebrews 13.5 says, keep your lives free from the love of money. And what did we see early in 1 Timothy that the love of money creates? All kinds of evil. It's the root of all kinds of evil. But the writer of Hebrews says, be content with what you have because God has said, I will never leave you nor abandon you. And see, if we find our self-worth in God, then we find our security in trusting God. And what does that mean then will take place in our life? I think some of these things will take place. It means that we won't hoard up things just for our personal indulgence. It means that we will understand that depreciation and inflation can eat away at our material resources, but that we can invest in the eternity of God's kingdom. And I think it means then that we will practice good stewardship, realizing that we really don't own anything, but everything we have God has given to us to manage responsibly for Him. And we'll start living and creating a culture of generosity. Now, we will live for the glory of God. And a part of that culture of generosity is we will invest in the kingdom of God as we give freely and willingly and obediently and faithfully of our tithes and our offerings. And we'll be willing to help others. We'll be willing to find our happiness in sharing our life with others and helping them. So to release the grip of greed in your life and find the abundant life of faith is simply a matter of trust. Find your self-worth in a relationship with God And then trust this God who loved you so much to provide salvation for you that you can trust Him to meet all of your needs in life. And in doing that, I think we can release that grip of greed in our life. That should be our goal when we live in this materialistic society. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that You are our God, our Father, our Savior. 
we can trust you uh, because you have done everything for us in this life that we need. And Father, I thank you that you have provided for us all that we need from salvation to our daily bread to everything that we truly need in life you have provided. And I pray that we will be a people of faith who value our relationship with you in such a way that we will be able to trust you and not look into things that we can buy and the things that we can hoard, but that we'll look into that relationship with you and find our, our true meaning, find our value, and then invest in the kingdom of God for your glory. And Father, I pray that we'll be able to make that as we commit our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that I pray and ask for decisions to be made. Our Lord, Savior Jesus, amen.